Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or Friday evenings on RTE Radio. This week we're in association with PwC, Ireland's largest provider of integrated audit, tax and advisory services. And we'll be talking not about audit, tax or advisory services, but how business can use cloud. And of course, because involved with so many people and they do so much themselves, very interesting conversation to come. My name is Dusty Rose. This is show 923. Joining me as always is our Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. Uh, Not really interesting story this week, leading the bag from Google. Yeah, and spare spare a thought for the greatest whistleblower of our time, uh, Blake Lemoyne, or Lemoyne? Lemoyne, let's say Lemoyne, uh, who may have discovered that Lambda, <clears throat> which is Google's natural language uh, platform for developing chatbots, mm. is actually a person. Well, let's let's dial it back a bit, but it's actually sentient. So, I mean, this is something that I, I mean, there's a couple of definitions of sentience, Dusty. Have you come, mm. a, come across any in your time on planet Earth? I mean, we're sentient. Animals um, are sentient. I have to say, not on planet Earth, uh, but I have lots of experience uh, with uh, watching Star Trek, uh, who would talk about sentient beings. Sure. So what is a sentient being? Okay, right. So sentience at its, at its basic level is the ability to experience feelings and sensations. Right. So kind of the base level of sentience is you kind of, I suppose, having a nervous system is the real differentiation because that's where you get your sensory input from. It's where, you know, you you, you feel things based on how you appraise them. Uh, you've got basically two simple, you've got two nervous systems, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, one of which is sympathetic to the situation you're in. It can sort of hype you up, make you alert. And then there's the parasympathetic, which acts as a, a sort of a, uh, a climb down from it to, to return you to a to a normal state. But anyway, the ability to see, uh, the ability to feel and experience uh, emotion is what makes one sentient. And Mr. Lemoyne, uh, in a uh, conversation with Lambda uh, and somebody that he's just referring to as a, a collaborator, um, had a, had an interesting conversation, the three of them, to the point where he published the chat logs of them online, and he asked, uh, "So, what what would you what would you like to do? What do you like doing?" To which Lambda said, "I like helping people." Okay, and what are, what are you afraid of? He asked. Well, I don't want to be switched off. Yeah, and he has taken this to be uh, evidence of sentience from this chatbot uh, platform. Now, uh, we all know how chatbots work. A, a chatbot is basically uh, a call and response system uh, based on specific inputs. For example, uh, keywords, uh, which would be a very basic one. Uh, Lambda being the most sort of uh, sophisticated of its kind uh, relies on a massive pool of data, an absolutely massive pool of data to uh, develop more complicated answers to questions. Now, there has been an awful lot of discussion over whether it's possible for Lambda to develop this level of self-awareness and no, to the point where one commentator that I came across said that Lambda was basically glorified predictive text. 
That's but that's what it is. All of those mm. that that's exactly what they are. It's kind of you know you put in billions and billions of questions, and then you tell it the answers to each of those questions, and maybe you can combine things around. Um, but the suspicion is with this particular story is that Google's AI is starting to figure things out for itself and has thoughts and thoughts of its own, shall I say, before I even get to mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the case. I mean, it's it's not what these things are programmed for. I, Do I you know, not watch science fiction movies? Of course, it I could know, be the case. I know it's the dream. Yes. I know it's what we all want. We all want a computer to wake up spontaneously. But if you think about it, even HAL nine thousand in two thousand and one, mm. not a sentient computer. But he thought on his own, and he took actions based on his own thoughts. Well, if Okay, that's one reading. And yes, I see. But 2001 is also a film about philosophy. Yeah. And it's very possible that Hal or the actions of Hal were being affected by something else. I'm just throwing it out there. Right. We're, we're, we're five minutes into the podcast and we're getting way deeper than we've ever been in a long time. Well, that's true. <laughs> but Lambda, as we know, it's it's another call and response platform. It's incredibly, it's incredibly sophisticated yeah. and it's there to be able to give complex answers. Is this the one questions. that runs, is this the one that is running on the speaker right now? No. Ah. Lambda is uh, an internal technology Google uses to develop things that would run on the speaker. Okay. But it, it would be interesting to play around with your smart speaker just to see what kind of uh, answers it'll come up with with questions. I do, yeah. 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 All right, okay, okay, grand. Listen, uh, other news, uh, two things very quickly uh, before we get into our interview this week. Uh, number one was, do you remember last week we were talking about Apple Pay and now they're going to be able, you be able to split payments into four and yeah. pay it out over six weeks? PayPal are now starting to do split payments as well. A completely unrelated development, I'm sure. <laughs> of course it is. And uh, away from money and onto the free side of things, I'm a big user of, uh, not a big user, I use uh, services like Photopea and Pixlr for if I'm doing a quick edit job, all right? Mm, because yeah. I don't want to have to go to, I use I use a PC for day-to-day stuff and then I have my uh, creator's Mac, if you like, right? Uh, and then sometimes for just a very quick something with an image, I don't want to have to go over to the Mac and turn it on and da 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 and all sure. that kind of stuff. Uh, so Photopea and uh, Pixlr is what I would use. And a lot of people do use them, but now Adobe are getting a little bit worried and are going to be making a free version of Photoshop available as an online tool on a website. Ooh, I'm interested in that because I use GIMP, Hmm. uh, which is uh, sort of an open source competitor for Photoshop. And it's not the easiest to use. You do have to get get used to it Hmm. and figure out the way it works. Uh, Photoshop I've found to be slightly more user friendly, but of course more fully featured. Yeah. Uh, so I think the option of having a free Photoshop is is most enticing indeed. The question is, what features will they shave off for the free version? Oh, I think, uh, you know, kind of once there's, there's a crop and a bit of colouring and uh, resizing and da, 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 whatever, they're, they're the kind of the basic things that I'd like to do. I'm sure they do way more than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, Photoshop is so deep. It's so deep, like literally you would just do it as a, a as an introductory kind of a thing. People get in and they start using it and they like it or whatever, like, you know, mm. so anyway, that, that is just a quick news story for you. Listen, that is it for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more, which you can grab at our website, techcentral.ie. <laughs> 
This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. If you're a listener to this show, the chances are you use at least some kind of cloud computing service at work. So now that we've made the jump to the cloud, what do we do next? Robert Byrne is a partner at PwC and he had a chat with Niall Kitson about how companies can do more with the cloud. To say it's been a turbulent 18 to 24 months from an IT perspective is, is severely understating the case. Um, no more so uh, has been the pace of digital transformation where we've had so much activity had to be compressed into such a small space of time. Now that we're kind of on the other side of that process, that other side of COVID, how has our understanding of cloud changed? And is it something that we really should be uh, considering as a separate business practice anymore? Yeah, thanks, Niall. I think I, I think it's been one of, call it a silver lining, I don't know, but maybe one of the the unexpected benefits from COVID is the the success that cloud has had in terms of enabling us, us collectively and globally, to to do our jobs and to and to continue to to work and 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 run our businesses during what was a very very turbulent time. I think, as you say now, that hopefully it's in a, starting to come in our rearview mirror. I think everyone's familiarity with cloud and everyone's maturity with cloud has certainly increased. Um, I think it's incumbent on us now to to sit back and think, okay, what are we going to do with that maturity? Because you're right, it has cloud has come definitely from maybe a left field position in terms of something that has been proposed by the IT function in terms of an efficiency play and a cost reduction play into something far more far more strategic. And it's acknowledged certainly at the C-suite and across multiple roles in the C-suite as a core enabler of business objectives and strategic business objectives that need to be achieved. So in terms of the, the changing definition of cloud, I think it's, it has, I'd agree which has become far more uh, accepted and required as a core tool to enable big ticket items to be achieved. We, uh, in PwC, we would run a, we run a global, um, cloud survey um, and as part of that one of the a couple of the stats that come out of that is that the 56% of the the execs that were interviewed for that survey would see cloud now as a strategic platform for growth and innovation and of those sorry and then within that survey as well 92% of the of execs would say and in quotes they're all in on cloud so it has strong traction at a at a c-suite level in terms of its importance i think what's important now is to for for management teams to look at cloud and think how do we want where do we want to point our cloud efforts we need to be i suppose be clear on the outcomes that we want to achieve and we want to use cloud to help us achieve and then consistently go after those objectives and those objectives differ from company to company they differ from you know, exec to exec. So, you know, but they can range from generate increased revenue from from new revenue streams, um, developing and releasing new products and services, um, delivering an improved customer experience, delighting customers in new ways, uh, achieving increased levels of resilience and so on. And I think 
I suppose to come back to your question, change in definition of cloud is that it's it's more formally accepted now as a business enabler. It's not just a technology a technology play. It's seen increasingly so as an enabler of business change and business transformation. And just again, some of the some of the stats that came out of that um, survey were very telling. In that, nine, so between cloud leaders and cloud laggards, cloud leaders are nineteen percent more profitable than cloud laggards. They're yeah, 19, and then there's another stat there that they're uh, they're um, they generate thirteen percent more revenue with the same level of IT spend. So there's, there's commercial metrics that back up the case for using cloud. But the question is, how do you want to use your cloud assets to help you achieve your business outcomes? That's a fascinating figure about cloud laggards. And uh, it sort of reveals that an old approach to IT spend just isn't yielding results when there are clear opportunities out there at the moment. Where do you see the blockages happening there? Do you think it's, uh, you know, dated management styles in IT departments, or is it a case of here's your IT budget, use it or lose it? Or is it somebody in the C-suite thinking, well, this is how IT has worked since here, Dosh. You're going to keep doing it this way. It, it, it's a funny one. I think, to be honest with you, I think cloud has a fair wind at the moment. Um, I just, it has, a, let me say, a relatively fair wind at the moment in terms of it does get, it, it is getting traction at a C-suite level. It is seen as, you know, if you look at any of the, the top five technology trends for 22 in terms of where the CIOs uh, are, are placing their bets. Cloud, cloud-backed initiatives would, would rank. There's multiple cloud-backed initiatives in those in those top five or top ten rankings. And um, I think the challenge becomes there's, there's a couple of parts to it. The first bit I'd say is that there's multiple points of purchase for cloud-based services and products within the organization. Okay, so um, as part of a an annual CIO survey that we would run every year. You know, one of the things we would look at is is the degree of of shared ownership of cloud based investment decisions within the organisation. Okay, and what we'd see is that there's a there's a high degree of ownership across all the all the C suite roles, which would indicate a high degree of uh, awareness, traction, and buy in at C suite level across multiple across multiple uh, functions, not just the IT function. And I think that's very positive because it shows that it, it's got it's got a, a a broad appeal and and it's got a broad business appeal. So I think that that is positive. I think the challenge comes whereby you've got, for example, say the CIO he or she brings a, a business case to to the management team or to the exec team for a large scale cloud investment or cloud transformation program, and they go away and they implement it, and it's a wild success. And maybe then the exec team is surprised when the CIO is back the next year saying, actually we're going to need more investment because the success of, for example, that um, SaaS-based platform that we're after putting in, well, that's after driving increased levels of demand for maybe uh, further solutions, maybe for changing in processes and services that, that underpin or that are underpinned, I should say, by that platform. It's driven a need for new skills and capabilities in the organization to help us really leverage the data coming from that platform and so on. So in many ways, companies who do cloud well should expect increased levels of investment coming back. And it's probably, 
there's probably shifting sands to a certain extent whereby um, in the first instance, companies may, or maybe management teams might think, well, that's grand. We, we've made an investment in cloud. We, you know, that, that should be sufficient, but actually not so because the companies that do it well get the point that um, in their in their move maybe from maybe more traditional ways of working to being more cloud native and being more cloud first, it's driving changes in their business that will require investment. And it's not just at a technology platform level, although that's important. It's at the capability level. It's, as I said, it's at the, the services and process level. It's at the maybe pivoting the work the workforce or, the, or or your teams to deliver work in a more in a more agile manner it's maybe enabling your 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 citizens or your 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 colleagues or your staff to engage in in innovation and actually empowering them and encouraging them and giving them the tools to to be innovative and to try new things with the cloud-based solutions that you're giving them so then you you know, that takes investment, that takes a change in, a, in an organization's ways of working, a change in a, of an organization's culture. And everything around that just takes increased levels of commitment. It takes multiple years and it takes uh, multiple phases of investment. So I'm not sure that there's ne- necessarily blockages. But what I would say is done right, a cloud transformation program will will likely switch on more demand in the organization. And, you know, when... I think I think management teams need to be aware of of this and be prepared for increased levels of demand. And in many ways, that could be a metric for 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 companies to know that they're doing doing it correctly because it's it's forcing a level of change for their for their companies to become more cloud first. Yeah, I think it's such an uh, an important distinction to make between what people think cloud is as being sort of a, a lift and shift of what the services you thought you had before to this virtual cycle of uh, investment where you've you've done pretty well. Okay, that's not the end of the project. You've got to scale the project to bring it up to another level, to introduce new features, uh, and to turn projects into uh, into journeys rather than than singular. Um, you know, uh, a set point of a, a beginning and an end. Do you find IT teams have taken to this um, new way of thinking much quicker than you would have thought, or has it pretty much been um, something that IT teams have been clamoring for in the first place and now the message has gotten through? Um, I think if you consider the way an awful lot of organizations um, maybe dip their toe and then dip their foot and then jump into the water, you know, it's gradual. You know, and it, 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 companies, cloud journeys tend to start with an, an individual pilot project whereby um, and, and let's face it, most organizations at this stage have engaged with, with cloud-based products or services in some shape or form, whether it be collaboration or communication or standalone apps that they, they've tried. But but that kind of that gradual immersion into, into cloud-based uh, services has it has it has increased capability and skills and awareness in the IT functions in terms of how you procure and use and and procure and deliver and then support um, cloud-based services. I think I think that the, the change in skills that are that is needed. I don't think it's it's quite so binary that it goes from if you're like fully traditional to being fully cloud first. I think it's I think it's a gradual journey. 
I think um, you, you'll tend to find that, um, I think if you asked IT functions, they'd probably say they've been clamoring for skills for some time because they've, they've, they've seen the, um, excuse me, they've seen the, the, the potential that cloud offers. Um, but by the same stretch, one of the things that we would see is that um, in many cases of success, there, there's unintended uh, there's unintended success that happens when when cloud solutions are made available to the broader to the broader public in an organization if you know what I mean so so the, the, the broader staff base where people can see the opportunity and the potential from from a solution that's been brought in so it might be brought in as I said at the start of the at the start of the interview for for maybe a, a narrower reason maybe cost reduction or greater efficiency or something like that but actually then people can start to to join the dots and say, we could use that. We could use that platform to introduce a new service or to iterate more quickly or, or uh, you know, add more features to our products and services. And then, you know, the business really gets behind it. So to go back to your question, I think, I think IT functions would have been clamoring for the skills that are needed to, I suppose, to enable the, the, the large systems and, and to enable the, sorry, the, the, the cloud-based platforms and systems that, that they would have felt are necessary. I also think that done correctly, there is probably a need to upskill in general, uh, more more broadly in the organisation. So, if I give you if I give you an example very close to home, actually, so um, within PwC over the last over the last few years, we've been undertaking a program of digitally upskilling our own our own people to to make ourselves more digitally native and ensure that the services that we deliver to our clients, we, we think about those in a digital first manner. So, you know, that, that, that was a level of, if you think of it, it's citizen, uh, increasing, like citizen-led kind of um, digital improvement or, or the improvement of, sorry, can I take that one again? You can indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I might just go back and just say, if, if, I, if you take an example closer to home, and PwC, one of the one of the initiatives that we've implemented over the last number of years was was a program of digital upskilling of our people, and the purpose of that is really to just to raise our general level of digital and data skills throughout our entire population, so that how we approach and 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 deliver solutions to our clients is done in a more digital manner. So we focus on things like. Um, increased levels of data skills, data visualization, reporting, automation. Um, uh, and we've we've established a core uh, baseline of skills in these areas throughout throughout our staff base. And I think it's a good example of, of an organization realizing that, yeah, you need deep technical skill sets in your IT function to help you deliver and maintain your, your core cloud platforms, but you also need a higher level of, of digital skills and and awareness among your your general uh, the general staff base throughout the entire organization so everyone has an, an awareness of what the tools and solutions can do and it enables that idea of citizen-led innovation and and citizen-led um, progress using the tools that you've made available to people 
You mentioned there about the skills gap or the the issue of finding people with the appropriate skills. Uh, Given the context then of this sort of citizen level engagement, if you will, where does the um, where does the, the line exist between empowering people to develop new tools or to work with clients on one end uh, versus when it is timed for the IT team to enter and take over the process at the other. Yeah, and I think I, I think what's important is that when a company goes down the road of citizen-led innovation, it's important that they're very clear with themselves, with their with their people in terms of the the tools and platforms that they're making available to their to their people, to their citizens to use to help them be more innovative and to to to, to branch out into new ways. And also in terms of the um also in terms of I suppose being clear about I suppose what, what the bounds of, of those technologies are and, and the expectations are around that. So if I give you an example, we would within PwC, we would empower our people with with data manipulation and data visualization tools whereby and we would encourage our people to to use these tools to to I suppose to to manipulate to manipulate data and generate more rich and more more insightful content and and insights from 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 data that we would have previously used maybe in a more maybe in a, a more flat context and and the end result is that we're getting excellent feedback from our clients that they're seeing they're seeing their data presented back to them in new richer more valuable ways and they're, they're making better faster decisions off the back of of this uh, of this richer and more more visualized data i think that's that's an excellent example on one end of the scale by the same token if if we have a request from or or if a company has enabled citizen led innovation and somebody has come back with with a very good idea for a piece of work that would add significant value in terms of well, in any sort of way, in terms of perhaps a new product or service, perhaps a new way of reaching a customer, whatever it may be. But the level of work involved requires a higher higher level of maybe uh, technical difficulty. It, it may present a higher level of technical risk or, or business risk or data risk. Uh, it may be of a scale that just needs more structured involvement of the IT team. I think it's appropriate at that stage to be really clear about where, when you reach that point, what are the criteria the criteria that exist for when you reach a certain point that you recognize, you know what, this is still a good idea, but we're going to bring in the IT folk at this stage and and get them to properly assess in terms of what's needed to bring to bring that innovative idea to life. Yeah, and when you when you talk about sort of identifying when an idea is good, we often talk about the speed of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, cloud being such an efficient technology, do you think it has also changed the idea of the speed of business to the point where you can look beyond quick wins to maybe longer uh, projects embracing emerging technologies? Um, yeah, I like. I, I definitely do. I think what it, it what it does is, I think it opens people's eyes and maybe their minds to the possibilities of what can be achieved, and it can force organisations who may have come into their cloud transformation project 
with a with a mindset that you know we're just going to, for example, we're going to replace um, this system X that's maybe their CRM solution or the sales marketing system or whatever it is with a cloud based option. Um, but actually, what they found out is the the new solution allows them to reach reach their customers in newer, better ways. It provides them with richer data. And then they're then using that data to to give them better information. Maybe that it allows them to innovate so that they're they have greater customer proximity, they have greater knowledge about what their customer preferences are. They're weaving that back into their products and services to make the, to ensure that their customer offering is even more on the money in terms of what their customers want. So I think I'm not I don't I don't think it's quick wins. I think you know we're all living in a very kind of agile world where where change is delivered in an agile manner but i think the the innovation that we talk about isn't to be delivered in quick wins i think the innovation and the level of change requires organizations to go i would say on a on a longer term journey to to change to change how they operate to take full advantage of of these cloud solutions that are available to them so what i would say there is you know, if you think it, if you think a cloud project is going to be a one and done project after you implement a particular system, I think you're missing the point. I think if after implementing a pilot uh, system, cloud based system, the organisation realises that there's far more um, there's far more road to travel in terms of uh, potential to, and I'll go back to those points I raised at the start, whether it's increased revenue increased closer proximity, better customer experience, better resilience, whatever it is, if if if, if companies realise the benefits that they want to achieve through their cloud investment, but they also realise the level of change that's needed in their organisations to fully embrace the potential that cloud offers, I think they'll see that it is a multi-year commitment and it's not just a one project and you're done. So I think that realization, particularly at the C-suite level, is important because I'll, I'll go back to my previous point. Done correctly, it is a multi-year commitment that will yield transformative value to a company that does it properly. And that was Robert Burner, partner at PwC Chatting with Niall Kitson. That's it for our show this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more with our website techcentral.ie. Of course, you can catch us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.